0: It is great to see you guys. Thanks so much for being here as we kick off the cross, the invitation to the way of Jesus. Now, if I could just be really honest with you, this new series is so challenging. I really prayed about and thought about whether this is the time to give it or not, because as we start to think about, I'm just going to give you a little preview over the next several weeks talking about the cross Uh, as a symbol that Jesus uses over and over to illustrate the way of Jesus, to what it means to follow him. It it brings us, confronts us with some big questions um, that will cause us to change the way we live, the way we think about how we make decisions and how we treat others and how we relate to God and people. So just want to give you that little warning up front. Um, I think it's going to be an incredible series. I think it could be maybe one of the most challenging uh, to date. So uh, just if you will take these things that we're going to talk about seriously, okay? So, what I'm going to be talking about today is a temptation that is common to every single person, but especially for those of you who are followers of Jesus. If you're a Christian, you're a disciple of Jesus today, um, it is something that you're confronted with often, all right? And I bet you can relate to what we're going to talk about. As a matter of fact, this temptation, this tension I want to talk about, um, well, I hope will start to make sense of the discontentment that many of us feel inside of us almost all the time, discontentment about ourselves, about life, about everything, or maybe the feeling of never enoughness. I think this feeling of never enoughness might be just an American thing, okay? (laughs) That you live in this country, you're gonna struggle with this. That never enough, you're never enough, what you have isn't enough, what you can do isn't enough. It's just, it is a constant battle. And uh, the temptation that we're gonna be looking at today is actually one of the three that Jesus was confronted with when he was tempted by the devil, okay? Now, two of the biographies that were given in the New Testament of Jesus, both Matthew and Luke, these are the two that we have that have recorded this temptation of Jesus that he had in the wilderness before his public ministry. And what both of them tell us is that God led him into a deserted place, into a lonely, isolated place, okay? Arguably one of the worst possible environments for a temptation, when you're gonna probably be most vulnerable to it. And some of you here might even say, lonely, isolated, deserted, that describes where I live right now. And you might feel like that, that you might be, I'm surrounded by people all day long, you might say but I still feel very alone. I feel very isolated. I don't feel like anybody gets me or relates or it's just, it is just hard right now, okay? That might be where you are today, and maybe you're in that place right now, but we're going to be looking at this third temptation of Jesus. This third temptation of Jesus And and it's still with us, all around us. I hope that you will see this today that is so incredibly relevant. And it is so subtle the way that it sneaks its way into our life. It's so subtle that we're often unaware it's even happening, okay? It's often we're We just don't get it. We don't understand, like, when it's happening. So let's take a look together, starting in Luke chapter 4 verses 5 through 6. By the way, this temptation of Jesus is both in Luke 4 and in Matthew 4. If you want to go back and read them later today, we're going to be taking some verses from both passages. But here's how it begins. It says, The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Now imagine for a moment... We weren't there. Let's just imagine. This is probably how it happened. He brought Jesus up on this mountainside, right? Overlooking maybe Jerusalem at night. And he sees all the lights, all the grandeur of this incredible city. And along with that, maybe images of all the other great cities, all the other great civilizations of that time. And it just was kind of mind-blowing. And, and, and maybe he's like, drink it all in. Take it all in, Jesus. All of this could be yours. All the wealth, the power, all the influence, everything. Now, to kind of put it in context, maybe it's kind of like us going into a new car showroom, Right? and there it is with the lights just perfectly angled on it, it's the car you've always wanted, all right? Or the SUV with all the options, and it's the right color, and it's hard to find that color, right? Or maybe, I know we're in Texas, so maybe it's the pickup truck you really, really want, right, and it's got the right wheels, the right color, oh, it's just beautiful, everything seems to be right about this vehicle. Like, so much so, you're like, oh gosh, and they've even cut the price. I think this is a sign from the Lord, I probably should get this thing, right? Or maybe for you, it's not so much cars, it's the boat, right? You're at the boat show, and you come in, and oh, there's the boat, man. It's just beautiful, and you've only ever seen it in magazines, and now here it is in the flesh, And it's built out and custom made just the way you want it with the upholstery and all the goodies and the colors and everything. you're just like, oh, 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 wow, I think I should take that one home today. Uh, This is incredible. Or maybe for you, I know this has been true in my house. Sometimes we'll do like the parade of homes in the springtime, right? And it's fun to do. It's fun to look at. What are all the custom home builders built? All the cool build-outs and the finishes and all the things and all the options and everything, right? But when you finish looking at about a half dozen, you don't even have to look at all of them. You just look at about a half dozen of these new custom homes, you're thinking, our house stinks, man. This is living. This this is this. If we can live in a house like this, this is awesome. Like this is incredible. It's kind of the tour of discontentment, isn't it? By the time you get to the end, you're like, okay, how can we make it work? We can get out of this house and into a real house, okay? Um, But we we find ourselves in the middle of this kind of being shown what's better, bigger, shinier. It's the discontentment that comes with it. And this is exactly the devil's intent with Jesus at this moment. It's like the the devil, in a sense, is saying, I know why you're here. You're here for them, aren't you? So I'm gonna make it easy for you. I'm gonna make it easy for you. And here's what he says next in the conversation. And he said to him, I will give you all their, let's say it go, all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me. Again, this is the devil talking, okay? It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. Now, here's maybe one of the most shocking things of this conversation. Jesus doesn't correct him, Okay? He doesn't say, whoa, whoa, hold up there, devil. You don't have any authority. You don't have any power. You don't have any over the splendor of, no, 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 no. He doesn't argue with him. It's like, how could that possibly be? How could he have that much power? And here's what we must understand, that the devil only has power insofar as we buy into his lies and his deceptions when you participate in the kingdom of this world and say I'm gonna play according to those rules, I'm gonna follow that priority list, I'm gonna let those um, priorities, those uh, kind of rule for life become my rule for life, then he's calling the shots. He's the one making the, he's the puppet master, he's the one in control. And he now all of a sudden, he holds all the cards. And here he is dangling all of this in front of Satan, I mean, in front of Jesus. And, um, and think about it for just a minute. This would, be a te- this would be a real temptation. Who wouldn't want to be king of your own kingdom or queen of your own kingdom, right? To be able to call all the shots, have full and complete access to unlimited power and resources, and by resources I mean money, right? Unlimited money. Like, that would be pretty cool. And it's not even that your knee-jerk reaction would be evil, I believe for most of us it would be like, think of the good you could do, right? Think of all the good, I could, oh my gosh, I could affect so much good, and I would be so much better than all those other rich people. I would be like, really generous. I would do really good things with it, not the dumb stuff that they do, right? You know, I would do really good stuff. That would be our intent with all the unlimited resources. The question is, and this is part of what makes this such a difficult and, and, and frustrating temptation. The question is, what are you willing to give for it? Because it is a trade-off. It is a, an exchange. This is what makes it such a difficult temptation. And in Matthew's gospel, chapter four, verse nine, this is what we're told that Satan says. He says, all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and, let's say it together, and worship me. Like, that's all you have to do, Jesus. Just submit to me as your king. Submit to the rules of my game, my kingdom, the way I have set up down here on this earth. Live according to my kingdom rules, my priority list. Like, shh, nobody has to know. Like, what happens on the mountain? Stays on the mountain, Jesus, all right? Just you and me, that's it. I won't tell anybody if you don't, right? Nobody has to know. And then you shortcut that cross. You don't have to do that. You don't have to go through all that, 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 that sacrifice and all that pain and suffering and difficult. mean, Like, shoot, that, you don't need all that. I'm gonna give it to you. It's gonna be so much easier. And, and besides Jesus... He's like, kind of like, listen, you need to know this is how it's done down here on this earth. This is how the game has played. Maybe you've heard something like this when you were first getting into your business or in your industry, when you push back and say, wait a minute, that seems unethical. That doesn't seem right. Should we be doing that? Should we? Hey, listen, that's just the way it's done. This is the way you play the game. This is the way you do it, Right? This is what you do. If you want to achieve, you want to win. You don't want to be a loser, right? You want to win? You want to excel? You want to gain influence? You want to have wealth? You want to get ahead? This is how you do it. This is how the game is played. You got to get on board, Jesus, or you're going to be completely irrelevant, and nobody will ever follow you. And and what's interesting here, ladies and gentlemen, is that this temptation comes to Jesus very much the way that it comes to us. It came to him as an opportunity, not a temptation. A lot of times it'll be pitched to you like, hey, I've got an incredible opportunity for you. But what's built into the opportunity is a massive exchange of sacrifice that you're gonna have to give away. You're gonna have to give away your... Your integrity, you're gonna to have to give away your conviction, you're gonna to have to give away. And what was Jesus' response to the devil's offer? In verse 10, here's what he tells us: Jesus said to him, and let's say it together, Away from me, Satan. I don't want what you're offering, what you're selling, I do not want. Besides, What you're selling me, what you're offering me, is just what every other king has done in every other kingdom for as long as there has been kingdoms. You're not giving me anything new, and I came to bring something radically new. I'm bringing the kingdom of God to earth, not just more or a better version of the kingdom of man, cleaned up so that It'll kind of fit into the social mores and and the culture and all of the selfish ambitions of the people around. No, I'm bringing something radically different. It's gonna force people to have to approach life in a radically different way. A different kind of kingdom, a different kind of a system, different kind of a value system that's gonna turn the current one up on its ear. Where the first is gonna be last and the last is gonna be first. And if you want to be great, you have to learn to be a servant. It's gonna be really different, very different. And I'm, I, I'm not here to create more of the same. This, 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 the world has never seen what I'm about to introduce. As a matter of fact, devil, what you're just showing me is what has always been. And what had always been up to that point, might makes right. right? If you got all the muscle, you got the power, you got the military, you're right. You get to make the rules, you get to make the, the, the laws, you get to call the shots. In other words, if you've got the might, then you've got the gold. So people with the gold determine the rules. And you might be saying, well, Will, we still have, these are still very much at play in our world today. And you would be right. There is still very much a kingdom of this world and a kingdom of God radically different But I think there are some followers of Jesus that don't know how to delineate the two. They're very radically different, and one is symbolized by the cross, and one isn't. And so, this world is all about image management. Look successful, look like a winner, and people will be drawn to you. It is a world of winners and losers, right? And you want to make sure you're on the right side of that. And and Jesus is saying, "I, I came into this world to introduce my Father's kingdom, which is so radically different than this. It doesn't throw people in these winner and loser categories. As a matter of fact, it throws open a door and says, whosoever will, will come and believe and to follow and to trust can become a child of the living God. It is. This is confusing for many of us. It was confusing for his first century followers who were used to this worldview that dictated everything to them, even in the church back then. It was led by people who were winners trying to keep from being losers, right, constantly. And so... The question you might be led to be asked, a lot of people were in the first century, was okay, so if Jesus, you're saying it's not about that winner and loser situation, it's not about might makes right, then are we supposed to just not care? Are we supposed to not compete? Are we supposed to just not accomplish things? Is that what you're getting at? No, see, the value system of this world that we're confronted with every day is saying, striving is surviving. You gotta keep striving, you gotta keep accomplishing, you gotta keep winning, you gotta keep making more and more and more, or you're not worth much, right? And, and, and I can say this because I'm a natural born striver, okay? This is something I have to work out a lot. And, and what's funny is it comes in a, a weird disguise. Sometimes we'll say, no, 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 it's not just striving. Like, I'm trying to provide for my family, which is true. Yeah, but deep down, if we could be really honest, come on, let's be super honest. Part of it's about making Will feel okay, okay about Will. To make you feel okay about, you. like, like you're good enough. Look, look what you've accomplished. Look what you've done. You, look what you've, you, you've achieved. Look where you went to school, you like to talk about those things, right? Because it shows you're not in the loser category. You're a winner. But we need to understand that the grace that God has come to bring through his son Jesus, grace is not opposed to earning, uh, pardon me, it's not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. It's, It's opposed to, grace says to us, you don't have to earn God's approval. He has already offered it through his son, Jesus, that you can have an identity in God, that he loves you, he cares for you, and you don't have to earn it. But it doesn't mean that we don't ever put out effort. Absolutely, we're gonna put out some effort. We're going to try. You see, this is interesting. This is where, where the kingdoms are, are different. Um, And maybe the striving you caught from your parents because your parents were strivers. Or maybe your parents were absolutely not strivers. They didn't try at all. And so you thought, I'm going to overcorrect for what they did not do, and I'm going to fix it. But either way, if you're not careful, you'll become a slave unto a system and a kingdom where you will wake up one day and say, I can't keep doing this. This is killing me discontentment, never enoughness just dominates my mind and my life constantly. And and it makes perfect sense if you're going to live your whole life as a striver if this world is all there is. If this kingdom is all that there is then that makes perfect sense. But according to Jesus there is another option. There is another way. And it is a way that we are tempted to we are tempted to discount because it goes against our culture. It goes against our selfish, all about me nature. You know, because when it's all about me, then I can just indulge as much as I want to. But that's a prison sentence, it is not a, it's not a freedom, it is an incarceration. The way of Jesus is so much better. And I'm telling you this because there are so many Christian people that are living or trying to live the Christian life but they're still playing according to the rules of this world and feel like I can't ever win. I don't ever feel like I'm getting closer to God. I don't really understand what's happening. And it's because their mindset is still playing by the rules of this world. And so what we discover is that when we begin to move towards the the kingdom of God, we begin to embrace what Jesus brought to us, that you're gonna find that it doesn't make you less productive, it's gonna make you better productive, actually. It doesn't make you less ambitious, but it will make you appropriately ambitious. It won't make you less successful, but Jesus, and this is so beautiful, Jesus is going to provide us a better definition of success. And here's what I want to just say. Over the next several weeks, this is what we're going to be doing. Unpacking what is Jesus' definition of success. And how does it always link back to the cross? The cross becomes an un, uh, uh, undeniable symbol of representing what it means to walk in the way of Jesus every single day. And we're gonna unpack this, and as we come to understand it better and better, it will help sharpen our ability to know when we start to abandon the way of Jesus. We'll say, okay, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not really asking the right questions anymore. I'm moving away from this, and I don't even necessarily mean to, but I'm starting to. So we're gonna talk about what are the right questions to be asking And let's start with, start this whole journey with Jesus' response to the devil's offer in verse 10 of chapter 4 of Matthew. For it is written, let's read the highlighted words together. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. All right? To worship the Lord your God. What's really interesting is that Jesus actually is taking us all the way back to the first two commandments of the Ten Commandments. Don't don't, uh, have any other God before me and do not make for yourself an idol. As a matter of fact, many great theologians like uh, Saint Augustine of Hippo, he would say, listen, anybody who can keep the first two commandments, the other eight are easy, okay? (laughs) It's just trying to keep our heart from not being attached to something other than God in this life. And then we fall back into an old system where we're working towards the approval or the accomplishment to prove to someone, something, to a deity, to another person, that we're worth it. We're, we're trying to earn once again. And what's interesting here, Jesus is actually quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, where Moses, I'm sure you've heard of Moses, okay, from the Old Testament. He's bringing the Israelites out of their Egyptian slavery from Egypt into this land of promise, the promised land, their new homeland. And they're gonna, he's bringing them in, and he's saying, listen, once you're coming into this new land, I don't want you to forget about the slavery that you were brought out of. And I want you to remember who saved you, who brought you out of that slavery. It was God. All you did was pick up your stuff and walk out. He did all the heavy lifting. And what was interesting here is that when Jesus was being tempted by Satan in this third and last temptation, he realized the moment that the temptation came out of the devil's mouth, this is simply a back door to the same um, kingdom of slavery that God is trying to get his people out of. It's this domination of this world, and everybody else is subjugated to that. And he's saying, No, Jesus refused. I'm not going to go back to that. As a matter of fact, the, the moniker, the symbol, the icon that will represent the way forward is not going to be power, it's going to be a cross. You see, Jesus' kingdom, Jesus' kingdom is a new way to live symbolized by the cross. The cross. Even his closest followers did not understand this. Even his closest disciples didn't get it. They misinterpreted what he was doing down to the last days of his ministry before his crucifixion and resurrection. Even when he was arrested, they were hoping for another Red Sea moment where God would come through just like he did for Moses you know, and just dominate the, uh, the Romans and just show up and be large and in charge and powerful. But Jesus chose a world revolution that came through sacrifice and through self-submission um, to God. And it threw them into a completely different, like they didn't know what to do. They didn't have a category for it. Because they were viewing their entire world through the lens of win, lose. Right? You're either a winner or you're a loser. Jesus was appearing to be losing, okay, when when he got arrested. So what did they do? They ran away. They went and hide. They hid. And uh and they're thinking how could he possibly win now he's been arrested it's like Rome won Jesus lost but three days later Jesus resurrects from the dead he comes back he's walking around and lo and behold just shortly after that all of his disciples come out of hiding and say huh maybe we didn't get this right And it says that they finally began to understand, oh, he told us he was gonna do this. This is exactly what he planned to do. This is what he had, all along, this is what his plan was. He was gonna give his life and then come back, and he was going to show world domination this way through submission, through sacrifice. So they finally began to understand that Jesus was a different kind of king with a different kind of kingdom. And I hope today this is beginning to make more sense to you. Then they took his message, this message of the God-man, Jesus, the, the Messiah, God, the son of the living God, came to earth and he gives himself so completely to the sacrifice for all the sinful men and women of the world that he was resurrected from the dead, came back and these disciples were saying, and now this becomes a symbol for how all of us are to live. And we're inviting everybody. They were fearless in the way they would proclaim this message of Jesus at a time when the bodies of the Christians lit the Colosseum in Rome They were covered in pitch and burned alive. They were fed to lions for sport, for entertainment. And this was the time when Christianity spread like wildfire because of the symbol Jesus gave his people of the cross. Not of power, not of power. The symbol representing Jesus' kingdom or the way of Jesus is the cross. The cross didn't represent salvation, a salvation decision in the first century. It didn't. It represented a way of life. It was a decision to live radically different. You see, in the first century, the cross equals loss. It equaled powerlessness. It equaled sacrifice. All things that most of us try to avoid in day-to-day life. You see, the cross is the way that we're tempted to daily avoid, to walk away from. This is why even today for Christian people, it is a decision we have to choose to follow the way of the cross. It is so rarely modeled, even in Christendom today. As a matter of fact, when there is a crossroads in our culture for us to stand up, For our faith in Jesus Christ There are even Christian leadership Voices, people, Christian leaders That would say they would resist The way that Jesus Actually modeled They would resist saying no it's just too Passive, it's too weak You can't just serve people They'll say something like this, it just won't work. You're not, you know, like you don't get the way the world works. You don't understand how it works down here. You got to play by their rules or you don't win. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen? But it did work. Jesus made it work. Like it's why we're still here as a church all over the world, still meeting today because the cross of Jesus did work. It did work, and it's why the cross is the global sustaining symbol of our faith. It is one of the most enduring, powerful symbols of all symbols that we have through history. There is nothing that comes close to the cross. It is so powerful. This symbol of suffering and sacrifice given by our Lord Jesus, it symbolizes. Not just what he did for us, but it symbolizes what he calls all of us do, to do as we follow him. The way of the cross. That's what Jesus is calling this. It means more than just something to believe. It's... it's, it's um, not intuitive. It is something that we have to learn. It's something we have to choose. It will push us out of our comfort zone. It will push us to live more like Jesus than we have ever lived before. And it will constantly be a temptation to want to abandon it and go the easy route and just have it now, right? But Jesus made it central to everything it means to follow him. In Luke chapter 9, Let's take a look at this together. Verse 23, Luke says, and he's recording Jesus' teaching, right? This is Jesus' teaching. Whoever wants to be my disciple, my follower, my pupil, my learner, my apprentice, this is what Jesus is talking about. And this is what rabbis had apprentices, they, they had disciples back then. And he's saying, and all of you who come after me, that's what I would consider you an apprentice, a disciple. He says, if you want to be my disciple, what we would call a Christian today, he says, they must do some things. They must deny themselves, and what? And take up their cross daily, every day, and follow me. Now, make no mistake, he did not use this symbol haphazardly or carelessly. It was incredibly intentional. He was showing us what it means to follow Him. It has to be daily because every single day we are tempted to compare, loser, winner, winner, loser. We are tempted to manipulate. I'm gonna try to make something happen here. I'm gonna try to make people do what I want. I'm trying to impose my kingdom instead of praying God, may your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm constantly doing will's will. I'm I'm having will's kingdom being done, right? That's That's the default setting. And we have to learn to say, no, I'm submitting to your will, God. Every single day, this will be a temptation to walk away from, every day, to impose our kingdom. And Jesus is asking us to deny that part of us and take up his cross and his sacrifice and ask. And here's the haunting question. I hope that you will leave here asking this question, thinking about this question. It will bother you like it has bothered me. But if you're going to follow the cross of Jesus, the way of Jesus, this has to be a question you wrestle with, okay? Here it is. What would choosing to lose or choosing to sacrifice look like in this situation? If you're married, what would it look like in your marriage? In your workplace situation? Workplace drama, workplace tension, workplace politics? What would it look like for you to choose to lose, choose to sacrifice for the other person? What would it look like, students that live with roommates, what would it look like to choose to lose, to sacrifice for your roommates? What would it look like to sacrifice for your siblings? For your mom and dad, for your kids, what would it look like? What would that look like? What would it look like to let the other person win? Wait, what? Yeah, this is a different value system, right? What would it look like to let them have their way once, right? To let them take credit? Well, wait a minute, them take credit? What's well, my deal? Are you willing to sacrifice? Let them have it. Give it to them. Let them go first. Let them go first. I was here first. See, this is where the sacrifice comes in. To sacrifice in love for them. This is how we emulate, we follow, we pick up our cross, and we follow our Lord Jesus Christ. This, ladies and gentlemen, is when you begin to look more and more like Jesus You see, sacrificing will make you, it will make you more like your Savior. It is what will make a world that has pretty much all but closed its eyes and gone to sleep to Christianity to go, wait a minute, man, there's something different about her. There's something different about this guy. They seem to be like really taking their faith seriously. They're living very di- by a different value system, different priority list. I'm like, I don't, they don't know what to call it a kingdom, but it is, you're living by a different kingdom set of rules than everybody else. It's radical what it will do. Jesus took this one idea and turned the world upside down. It's time that we do it again, ladies and gentlemen. It's time that we take the words, the works, the model of Jesus and say, this is not obsolete there might not be anything more relevant in all of the world than to follow how he led and I just want to invite you right now here's our application prayer today is simply just saying Jesus I choose to lose to sacrifice for those around me as you did for us all right I surrender myself to you and the way of the cross I'm choosing to lay it all down. And maybe today it's beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ for the first time where you really say, I'm willing to die to myself and I want to follow you, Jesus. And today's the day I'm going to do that. And in this time of prayer, I want to ask you, those of you who are followers of Jesus, that you would be willing to say, God, help me to have the courage and the faith to begin to ask, what would it look like for me to choose to lose, to sacrifice, to sacrifice for those around me just as you did for us all. Let's go before the Lord in prayer right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you, God, right now that all across this room, this is a moment, this is a pivotal hinge point in time where some spiritual lives could be radically changed. This is a game changer. If we leave here and really start to live this, It will make life in Christ explode to another level that we have never dared to dream was possible. God, I pray all across this room right now for those who are believers, those of you who are followers of Jesus, you're a disciple, you're an apprentice of Jesus, you would say, yes, I'm in that category. But if I could be honest, I'm not doing this yet. This is your next step. Would you pray right where you sit? Would you just say, Jesus, right now, help me to have the courage to say, Lord, show me what would it look like for me to choose to lose? To sacrifice for others just as you have done for me. For me to pick up my cross today today and begin to do this daily and follow you. Where is God prodding your heart right now? This is where I want you to begin to apply this. I want you to do it in your marriage. I want you to do it in this friendship. I want you to do it at work. I want you to do it among your roommates. I want you to do this in uh, in, in the classroom. I want you to do this at the grocery store. I want you to do this at the hairdresser. I want you to do this wherever and however wherever you find yourself. If you would be willing right now to say, okay, God, this is a big yes, but I'm putting my yes on the table. Would you be willing to give him your yes right now? That you're going to begin to choose to lose, choose to sacrifice? If this is your choice, I'd love to pray for you. Would you just lift your hand on the floor and the balcony all around? God, I pray for every person right now that we would just say together, yes, Lord, use us. We choose the way of the cross, we choose the way of Jesus. Die to self, so that you might come alive in the spirit. The life in the spirit is freedom and peace, Paul tells us. But life in the flesh is death and destruction. Help us Lord to choose life, help us to choose you today while we still have time you may lower your hands for those of you in the room that know that today's the day God is prodding my heart he is nudging me and I don't want to put it off another 24 hours another um, seven days for another church service I want to do it today would you just say I'm saying yes to Jesus right now for the very first time I want to become his follower I want to become his disciple his apprentice Jesus would you just pray this right where you sit Jesus I'm inviting you to come into my life forgive all my sin cleanse me from all unrighteousness I claim you as my Lord my king that I might be a citizen of your kingdom starting right here right now If you just prayed that for the first time, asking Christ to forgive your sin and be the King and the Lord, leader of your life, would you just boldly, unashamedly raise your hand right now whether you're on the floor, you're in the balcony, anybody here, God bless you, ma'am, right there. Anybody else, God bless you, buddy. And right over here, ma'am, I see your hand. Anybody else, anybody else, right back here, the two of you right in front of the sound booth, God bless you, and right back over here, God bless you too else. Father, thank you. Anybody in the balcony. God, we love you. Thank you so much for speaking to our hearts today. Thank you for transforming us. God, thank you that this is the beginning of an incredible journey. For all those who gave your life to Christ, may you Just celebrate with somebody today. Go by our Welcome Center. We have a special gift for you. We'd love to help you in that next step of getting started. And keep coming back so that we can be a part of this journey together as we follow Jesus together and learn the way of the cross. It is the way to freedom and joy, peace, and love. We thank you, Jesus, that you continue to run your rescue mission on this earth and you bless us by letting us be a part of it. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you back next week as we'll continue our series on the cross. We'll see you then. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services.